Welcome to the official unofficial podcast dedicated to Eastern Washington athletics. This is the Eagles Power Hour, an affiliate member of the Big Sky Podcast Network. Introducing your hosts, standing at a staggering 5 foot 10 inches tall. He's not a myth. He's not a legend. He's just that idiot who thinks it's a great idea to paint his chest in 10 degree weather for an Eastern Washington football game. Now, based out of Houston, Texas, Kyler Neal. The other host is a local firefighter. He saves kittens by day. Talks EWU sports by night. He is six foot two without heels and has a vertical of 32 inches. Based out of Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Yours and my favorite Eagles Power Hour host, Rusty Kramer. Without further ado, here it is the greatest podcast in the big sky the Red Turf Repping Eagles Power Hour. Welcome back to the Eagles Power Hour with your host, Rusty Kramer. My partner in crime, Kyle Niels, he's got the day off today, but I'm not going totally solo. Uh, I do got a guest, a guest I'm excited to talk some hoops with. This guest was a part of Eastern Washington basketball coaching staff. Uh, He just got the honors by the NABC, the National Association of Basketball Coaches, to the 30 under 30 team. This team represents the 30 of the most outstanding men's basketball coaches under the age of 30. Bobby Suarez. Bobby, how you doing? I'm good, man. I appreciate it. And thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, I got a quick question for you. So how do you get notified about being on this 30 under 30 team? Is that via email, a phone call, a tweet? Uh, Well, they send an email, but legs actually gave me a call at like seven in the morning or pretty early in the morning just told me about it and then I saw the email but that's kind of how I got notified was from legs calling me and he was pretty pumped for me and just excited and then I saw my email so that was it was a cool honor I'm pretty pumped about it it's something that you know is exciting and I think good for my career oh yeah absolutely man I, I that's an outstanding honor and uh, the last Eastern Washington basketball coach to be nominated that honor was David Riley uh, in 2016-2017 season. So it's pretty cool that you were nominated that. And so before we get into like the Big Sky or just Eastern hoops talk, let's. Uh, what what have you been up to this spring summer since this whole COVID deal's been going on? Um, nothing much. Just you know, everybody's doing a bunch of clinics and online stuff through Zoom, and we've been playing you know a lot of tennis. Tennis is one thing we've been doing a lot of, and I guess I guess Madden, tennis and Madden would be two of the biggest things, and just trying to, you know, stay in touch with our guys right via Zoom and teleconferences and texting and just making sure they're all good, and a little bit of recruiting, too, because it is a different time, because we would usually, I mean, all of July, we would be out. That's not going to happen this year, and even in April, we would have been out for two or three weekends just to go recruit and see some young talent. So it's kind of, it's way different for me. It's a lot different. So it, it was kind of cool, but I'm, I'm ready to get back going. Oh yeah. I'm sure everybody's definitely ready to go get back going. And before we get into recruiting talks, I'm, I'm pretty curious about the tennis talk because we had coach legs uh, on the podcast last week and he talked about uh, how him and his wife get pretty competitive uh, playing some tennis. So how, how are you in tennis? I'm not bad. So yeah, we'll, we'll play with Shante and Tatiana, me and uh, TJ, the other coach on staff. Um, we, we'll play doubles about like three or four times a week. And it, I'm not going to lie. It's pretty intense. It's actually probably not even fun. 
because nobody wants to lose and nobody like I'm pretty competitive and they're extremely competitive and TJ's just like this Mr. Nice good shot good job let's all have fun and sometimes I, I mean I'll, I'll be yelling at him and he's not the biggest tennis player <laughs> and I'll be literally yelling at him like this is you know set five versus Agassi and Sampras <laughs> So who's who's getting the who's getting the W's bet- between the doubles here? Well, to be honest, hopefully I can keep my paycheck. But me and TJ are up nine to two in games. Oh my seven. goodness! <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, it, I mean, Coach Legs didn't say anything about he's talking about playing tennis with his wife. He didn't say anything right. about playing tennis with you guys. And I, I, I'm getting I, I understand I didn't, why. I didn't so. expect him to. Yeah, he shouldn't. He shouldn't have with with that record. <laughs> So who, so who's got more energy? I mean, since uh, we're kind of talking about who's got more energy during games, you or TJ? Because I see you jumping up and down. I see TJ getting pretty excited on the sidelines. Um, that'll be a close call. Probably TJ. He's super high energy. I mean, he's I'm right there with him, but he's at he's at 24-7. I might be at like 22-7, but he's 24-7 <laughs> high energy. I need those two hours to relax. So him, he'll definitely take me on that. At all. That's that, that those two hours you're, you're recharged. Yeah, uh, I need that. So uh, today I saw uh, just like I think I saw on Twitter basically that the NBA is looking to re-ramp the 2019-2020 season. Did you did you check see that on uh, Twitter? Yeah, I've been seeing that around. We're about to have like 20 or 22 teams down in Orlando. Yeah, yeah. So so they're gonna have like training camp July 9th to 11th, and then. They're get, they're gonna have the season or the tournament or the competitive format or how they're gonna do it from July 31st to October 12th. So basically, they're taking uh, 22 returning teams, 16 teams total, uh, eight per conference in the current playoff positions, and then they're gonna add six teams that are six or fewer games back of eighth place. So I guess each team's gonna be playing eight seeding games. And they're going to take seven of the best records for each conference. And the best record is going to include the regular season plus the seeding games. So uh, that should be a pretty interesting layout. So it's just 14 teams are going to be in the actual playoffs then? Yeah. Yeah. It sounds oh. like there's going to be taking 14 teams uh, into the actual playoffs after the, the seeding games to kind of figure out. So yeah. the teams that are in eighth place, they have to be uh, eight or more games in front of ninth place if they're not if they're eight or, or i'm sorry four or less games in front of ninth place then they're going to compete in basically a play-in tournament yeah i need my magic to be up there i know they're the ac right now well they, they i mean they, they just gotta they just gotta take care of business in the seating games so uh, so you're you're an orlando magic guy yeah big time magic fan all right so, so did you grow up in florida yeah, I grew up like right outside of Tampa in this place called Clearwater. So I don't know. People usually don't know what that is. So I really just say I'm from Tampa. <laughs> That's easier to say. Yeah. So, so you you went to Florida Gulf Coast, correct? Yes, I went there uh, for, for my undergrad. Your undergrad, and you are part of. Uh, you served as the director of operations, like the intern, and, and as head student manager while at Florida Gulf Coast. Yeah, so that was like my last, that was my senior year. So the year we went to the tournament with Coach Infield, I was a, I graduated in December and I didn't really know what I wanted to do yet or what I was going to do. So I stuck around and I kind of had this like six month internship for credits and I just basically helped just 
anything that the program needed, I did while I still worked and just finished out school. So, I mean, it was a great learning opportunity. It was, I mean, a once in a lifetime experience. It's hard to explain all that, but it was, it was really something that I'll never forget for the rest of my life. Well, I mean, hell man, you're talking about once a lifetime experience. I mean, any time to be at, you know, uh, Florida Gulf Coast, that was the time. Be part of the Dunk City, their sweet 16 run. I mean, just looking back, man, that, that took me on a trip, like a, a trip down memory road, like looking at some of those games, the game against Georgetown. I mean, man, those were some exciting games to watch. You went and played San Diego uh, State after that. I mean, that was an absolute uh, fun thing to watch. Yeah, it was it was awesome. It was really I don't think people know how good that team really was. And I mean, I feel bad for the people we played in the NCAA tournament because we definitely shouldn't have been a 15 seed. Like we were definitely, I think, a little disrespected on that. Because if you look at our schedule, like we only we had a couple. I think we had two bad losses in conference to Lipscomb, who was just god awful back then. But we beat Miami at home, mm-hmm. and they won, they won the ACC championship that year. We went to Duke and. Uh, I think we were tied at half, and they they went on like a twenty-seven-two run. But that, besides that run, obviously it was we were right there with them. We played Iowa State on the road, and it was like an eight-point game, and they were an NCAA tournament team. And then we played VCU at VCU, and it was a close game. And that team was just for being a you know low to mid-major team. They're extremely athletic. Um, Coach Infield was really good, and. He wa- he always wanted to play with pace, and he kind of was one of those guys that said, you know, we're trying to sell tickets, and he wanted to play fast and have an entertainment value to his brand. And the players that were on the team from the former coach and the guys that they recruited, because he was only there two years. I mean, mm-hmm. it was just he did an amazing job with them, and it was really cool to see as, you know, an undergrad, a really young guy trying to look to get into coaching and just – like I said, I, I think we were a little underrated being a 15 seed, but I, the mat, it's all in the NCAA tournaments about matchups. And that first one about against Georgetown was perfect for us. Yeah. You, so why, why do you, why do you think that matchup was perfect? I mean, just looking at the two teams, because I mean, Georgetown, I mean, they were number two seed. They were fourth in the nation in defense efficiency. I mean, they were a pretty solid defensive team. Yeah. Well, they, there was a, when John Thompson, the third was there. Mm-hmm. And they were kind of running the Princeton, and they were playing very slow, methodical. They would try to get you with back doors. And, I mean, he had Otto Porter. Um, who else did he have? I mean, Otto Porter was, like, the third pick of the draft that year. Right. I'm trying to – and he had uh, – I forgot the guard's name. Uh, I think it was Starks. But he had a really good team. But for us, they couldn't really shoot. So we just packed it in, and they didn't want to play fast. And we wanted to, you know, get out and run. We pressed them. We put them in a zone, and we made them shoot. And – I just think matchup-wise, it was perfect for us. Like you said, they were really good defensively, but we shot the ball extremely well that year, and it just kind of got them. And I think, you know what, to be honest with you, I think they just, you know, they they kind of just thought they were going to beat us by 20. They weren't that pumped for the game, and I think that kind of bit them in the butt. Yeah, I mean, that just shows you, man. You you got to compete every single game, especially, I mean, if you're a number two seed going to number 15 seed, I mean, they, they're they hungry, right? I mean, you're, you're feeling disrespected as a 15 seed. But to me, all the chaos started uh, when Comer lobbed up that pass at the beginning uh, of the second half to Fielder, and he just threw it down, man. That was just, to me, yeah. that was the beginning of the end uh, for Georgetown. Yeah, Brett, Brett's one of the greatest passers I've ever seen. He really, I mean, in practices, he would throw some of the most ridiculous pra- uh, passes. I mean, that year, I think we had like, it was, we, I think we were, we led the country in dunks. 
at Florida Gulf Coast. We, I mean, there was at least five to seven lobs a game, and it was it was really fun to be a part of. Yeah, I mean, well, so I, I just got to say, we'll move on to, to the San Diego State and Florida and you going to Florida. But I will say, when I was looking up some YouTube video clips, I, I do think I saw you on the sidelines going absolutely bananas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was probably losing it. It was really fun. I was just, <laughs> I was just living in the moment down there. Yeah, <laughs> I, didn't have, I didn't have any responsibilities during the game. So I was, I was a fan on sitting courtside. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so you ended up beating San Diego State, uh, making it to the, the Sweet 16, but you fell to Florida. Um, and then you, after the Florida Gulf Coast, you went to Florida State, correct? Yes. And you're part of the video operations staff. You're the assistant director. And how long you were at Florida, Florida State? Four years? Yeah, I was at Florida State for four years. Yeah, and so I, I you're under Leonard Hamilton, who is an outstanding coach. So to go from uh, Florida Gulf Coast under Andy Enfield to Leonard Hamilton, I mean, those two outstanding basketball minds. I mean, you you got to feel pretty fortunate and lucky. I, that's the way I look at it. Yeah, definitely. Coach Ham and Coach Enfield, they're, they're you know mentors to me, and I learned a lot. And then they're both different. And I think people don't know is that. Uh, Andy used to work for Coach Ham before he went to Florida Golf Coast. He was an assistant at Florida State. So there was a connection there. And then I was just really blessed because, you know, like I didn't play. I was a manager. And there was just all these connections that happened. So the staff from Florida Golf Coast, Andy Enfield and his staff were all Florida State guys. So then I graduate and they all worked with my JV high school coach was the head video coordinator at Florida State at the time. So there was a connection there. And then I went up to work camp and I wasn't even expecting to do anything. They already had the job filled. And after the camp, I did a really good job. And my old high school coach called me and he said, you know, this, this guy's leaving. He's going to go move to Atlanta. Would you like to take this spot? And, you know, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I thought I wanted to work in the NBA video room. I was unsure, but at the opportunity, I guess I was so young and dumb that I didn't really process that I was graduating from college and getting offered an ACC job right out of college with no experience at all. And, you know, I took it and it was, you know, probably the best thing that I ever did. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think that speaks to, to your work ethic and, and just, you know, uh, what people think of you. I mean, I, I imagine it's gotta be a little bit more difficult, uh, trying to be an assistant coach or just a coach at the collegiate level who, I mean, you didn't play at the college level. So, uh, I mean, there's already a barrier that I would imagine that you'd have to kind of get over. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I don't think it's as big as what you think. There's tons of, you know, head coaches that have done it, what I've done. And maybe it is a little harder, but I don't think it is just as long as you put in the work. I mean, I was right. I was around the, that FGC. I was, you know, I was there more than the players. And obviously I wasn't the one getting the wins or putting in all that hard work, but I did everything. I just learned, I basically was in the background learning how programs were run. And I think, you know, at Florida State, those four years, like I don't have my master's. I didn't do GA or anything, but I felt like I got a PhD in basketball while I was at Florida State for those four years. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I uh, did a little research and a, a little internet searching and I found an article uh, you're talking about putting in the work. And uh, this was during Florida State's 2017 uh, March Madness run and uh, where they were in the tournament, I should say. And you're talking about when you're doing a scouting report, a full scouting report takes you about 12 hours per team. I mean, that's just an 
absolutely mind-boggling. And that's something that nobody else sees besides the teams, right? That Going into the preparation, looking at post moves, tendencies, offensive and defensive philosophies. And that, that's just a crazy amount of work getting ready just for to prepare for a game. Yeah. And then when you're in those tournament-like situations, it's even worse because you don't know who you're playing. So you basically have two teams and you're just hoping the one you did the more work on wins. So <laughs> you're kind of you're gambling out there sometimes in the tournament. So what what is that what does that prep look like during like the regular season as far as like scouting reports, uh, you know, videos and whatnot? Well, so you want me to tell you how we do it here? Or yeah, there? yeah, what, yeah. I'll, so how Eastern, we're doing it here? That'd be great. It's just it's broken up, so we break it up by coaches. So each me. Dave, and then last year, Coach Booker, who's now going on to San Diego, is we'd have it all split up. So, like, my, like, I have, like, one would be Northern Colorado. And it's not, I'll never have back to back games really. So, I always have a game or two, two games in between. But what I like to do is, you know, I watch, I'll watch, you know, five of their last seven games and I'll just label everything. I'll have notes. I'll see, you know, our GAs, our video people, they'll help us and they'll do tendencies and, you know, like, Jonah Radaball, he he really liked to go left. Mm-hmm. So we, we didn't want, he loved to go left. So that's something, you know, we, we were preaching to our guys. That's where he's more comfortable. If he's going left, he's more aggressive to score. As in going right, he's more of a passer. And, you know, they pick up on these tendencies. And so we would do that. And about, it just depends on, you know, it's all timing. Cause you know, you have obviously some games on Thursday, then the next game Saturday. But if the game's on Thursday, we'll probably start prep Monday. Monday night, maybe we'll send the guys some film on personnel. And then Tuesday, we'll go over personnel. And then Tuesday night, we might send sets. And it just really depends on, you know, what team we're playing, who scouted is. Everyone does it different. And that's really cool about Leg. Like, he doesn't have this, like, you have to be a robot and do it this way. Like, he lets us all have our own personalities with our scouts and how we coach. So it's really cool that he lets us do that. And then really, you know, by say Wednesday night, we play Thursday, we give our guys a quiz. Like, well, this is, you guys need to know this. We quiz them. We see how prepared they are. And I just, I mean, I feel like they're nervous if they don't know the answers and it kind of puts a little pep to their step and they're locked in and that's how we know. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's pretty cool. That's something that you just, no one ever thinks of like you're going to watch a basketball game, right? You just, as a fan, you just show up and watch the basketball game, but you don't see any of the preparation in the off season uh, during the season, not only for the players, but for the coaches as well. And the amount of work that goes in uh, for the players and coaches. I mean, it is pretty cool to see uh, a, a little look behind the scenes. So how'd you end up at Eastern Washington going from Florida Gulf coast to Florida state all the way North <laughs> to Cheney? Well, so it was kind of funny. We were at the final four, and, you know, I had no idea. And, I, you know, like, again, I was young and dumb, and I was complaining to one of my assistants, and I was like, I'm ready to be an assistant. You know, I'm, I'm just finished year four at Florida State, and I felt like I, I knew the world, and, you know, I was, the, I was James Naismith. <laughs> I knew everything. And I land in the Final Four, and his name's Dennis Gates. And I get off the plane, and when you go to the Final Four, you usually check in with the NABC at the host hotel and get all your credentials and all that stuff for the weekend. And he came up to me and he was just like, Hey, I think I got you a job. And I'm like, what? And he's like, do you have a suit on you? And I'm like, no, I don't have a suit. 
And then he just like gave me the dirtiest look in the world. And I'm like, why would I have a suit? Like, come on, man, you know, I'm not going to have a suit on me. So then he just gave me, he actually gave me Shante's number and he told me to text him. So I text him, I reach out, you know, and then, you know, nothing really happens for a day or two. And I guess I'm really thinking, I'm trying to think back, but Shante probably just got the job a day or two earlier. I have no clue really. And so it's in Phoenix. We're there. He finally gets back to me and just introduces himself. And, you know, that was kind of it. And luckily for me, I was working with Team USA after the Final Four. So it was Arizona. I fly to Portland, and I'm working with Team USA for the week. And he's, we're talking more, and he's texting me, and he's asking me, you know, can I get a scouting report to see how you do this? And it was tough for me because I was like, when I was doing stuff with the Team USA, it was, it was like 24 hours a day I was doing something. I didn't have like any time to like, I couldn't watch Eastern Washington. I couldn't, I couldn't figure out how I was going to do it. And like, obviously I found time, but I told him and I told the people at Team USA, I was like, Hey, like I have this job interview maybe. And I looked it up and I was like, I'm only five hours from Cheney, Washington. Like I'm about to just rent a car and drive down. (laughs) I don't know. I'm I'm never going to be on the West coast again. And I told Shante that, and he was like, man, you don't have to do that. And then, like I said, talks just continued. Like I sent a scouting report, got it in. And then, you know, my, my, you know, one of my mentors, Dennis Gates, who, like I said, he was Shante's teammate at Cal. He just, you know, he did a little recruiting for me, helped me out. And I'm sure he was, you know, in his ear all the time. And that just legs offered me the job after about a you know a month and talking to him about it. Oh, that, that's awesome, man. That's, that's pretty cool. That's a pretty cool story. So what was your first, uh, your first winner like in Cheney? I mean, oh, I'm it's pretty terrible. sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's terrible. Cause I, I've never lived outside of Florida. Like I would. And then when I moved to Tallahassee, that's North Florida. I'm a South Florida kid my whole life. And man, I would get cold at 65 degrees in Florida. So this was brutal. I didn't have anything. I didn't have a sweatshirt, like any, I had sweatshirts, but nothing for snow driving in the snow. I learned quickly. You can't drive like it's rain. Cause I'd be sliding everywhere, uh, scraping ice off your car. I got a real fast lesson quick. Like the first day it snowed, I had no idea what to do. Yeah, that's, I, uh, I always enjoy, uh, watching people who aren't really from the area who just don't like the cold because it just looks like they're absolutely uh, suffering. Yeah. That, that's, that's good. That's funny. Yeah. I got uh, ice so, in my veins now. I'm ready for it. I'm a northerner now. There you go. So uh, I'm kind of curious. So what does the off season look like? Uh, from when you finish the season to leading up to the season for an assistant coach, as far as in a regular season, I know that like right now is kind of a unique situation with COVID, but in a typical off season, what does that look like? Well, uh, obviously the guys still got to finish school after March. So you got to stay on them we give them some weeks off and then you got to stay on them about their grades. You'll have, you know, graduating seniors where they'll be trying. Some of them, you know, are looking for jobs and you're going to try to help them. And some of them are going to try to play professionally. So you got to help them with film and finding agents and trying to, you know, just get the best opportunity possible for their pro careers. And then, like I said, April, we'll go right into We'll have spring workouts where we'll start, you know, with the returners. Everyone that's coming back will just really with you a lot of skill development here. And uh, I mean, if you, you can look at our guys and just see every every year by their senior year, a lot of guys get better. And so we do a lot of skill development here and then recruiting. I mean, April's recruiting, July's recruiting, and then in between that, camps. So we'll have 
we'll have elite camps, we'll have team camps, we'll have little kid camps, and that'll be mostly all of June. So like May's are really May and August are like our down months. Like and we still do a lot of stuff, but that would be like our you get the weekends off, you go, you know, go fishing, go hang out, go to Lake Coeur d'Alene. But in April and all those months, you know, we're recruiting, we're trying to find kids, find diamonds in the rough, all that stuff. So it really I feel like, you know, the old saying basketball never stops. It re- it really doesn't, which is fun. I'm never bored. I'm never, you know, antsy about basketball. We're always just trying to get better with offensive stuff defensive schemes so we're just always watching film and trying to get our guys better so when you're when you're talking about recruiting uh can you talk through that process i mean how what do you what are you guys doing to find you know the next uh you know eastern washington eagle i mean are you are you doing a good amount of traveling i imagine you're watching a good amount of tape yeah so i mean we try to uh we do a lot of travel i guess so Really, I guess it would be like September is the time that we'll go around to high schools. And that's kind of where we'll, you know, we'll meet the high school coaches. We'll just communicate with them. They'll tell us about good kids maybe at another school. There's a young kid here. I mean, it's all really just networking. Right. And just So we'll do that. And that's how we'll kind of get kids on our radar. We'll watch them in open gyms. And then we'll go to some high school games, but that's hard because it's in season. So we'll get a lot of tape then and we'll have our GAs and video guys break those down where I just want to see, you know, I just want to see this kid. I want to see his turnovers. I want to see his shots. I want to see if him, if he's clapping on the bench, I want to see how he makes passes, like all that stuff. So they'll break it down for us where I can, they'll cut a 40 minute game and I'll have 18 to 20 minutes where I can just zone in on the kid. And then once all that's over, like we'll go to the, you know, the spring period in April and that's where we'll go evaluate them more in person and get to see them play. And then basically by July, we'll have our set. Like these are the 10 kids we're going to go after. And not saying 10 kids from like just the class of 2020. It's like, we'll have three in 2020, three in 21. And I want to watch these four in 2022. And then we'll just, as we watch the kids that we, you know, zero in on, we might find another kid playing versus them. So that's just kind of how it works. So we, we ended up having three commit in this national signing uh, period. Could you give us kind of a scouting report on the latest individuals that uh, are committed to come into Eastern Washington? Uh, yeah, we got we actually got four. Four, that's right. I'm sorry, yeah. No, so uh, we got Kalen O'Neill. He's from Eugene, Oregon. He's about six, four, very athletic, very intense, plays super hard. Um, trying to think maybe a, a guy, probably like a mm, guy that's been here before, probably like a Sir Washington, but more athletic with a little bit of a better shot, but kind of in that mold. It's going to be really pesty on defense. Um, his dad, he's, he's right. He's got a baby face right now. His dad's about six, seven, six, eight, played at Oregon. His grandpa's like six, six. He was used to be the head coach of Hawaii. So he's got really good basketball genes, high IQ. So that was the first kid we got. The second one we got is this kid named Victor Radikaj. He's uh, from BC. He's 6'10". His dad was a professional player in Croatia. He's a lefty. He's going to be very versatile. He's, he kind of reminds us of Mason. Um, very versatile. He went and played over in Toronto. He's been on Team Canada his whole life, basically, and he's always played up. So this would have been the first year that he would have played under 17s in his age group. So... When he was 15, he played with the 16s. When he was 16s, he played with the 17s. 
So he's, you know, he's been in that FIBA basketball. He's really skilled. He's very athletic, really good shot blocker. So we're really excited about him. And then we got a kid from Portland named Isaiah Amato. He's about six, four and a half point guard, real long, very smooth player. Doesn't get too sped up. He's going to be very just calm on the court, kind of like a Kyle Anderson that used to play at UCLA, like just never going to be too high, too low, but he's very active defensively, really high IQ and just keeps wanting to get better. And then the last kid we got, his name is Madun Bowl, and he's out from Seattle. And he's about a 6'2", 6'3", just bucket getter. He's going to get any shot he wants. He's kind of like, he's like a, his game's really modeled after Jamal Crawford. Like, that's how he plays. Like, he's going to take tough shots, but he makes them. He's taking step backs off the dribble. He's going to get, if there's a shot clock, he's going to get a decent shot off. Yeah, I was watching, uh, I can't remember where I, where I found it. I, I found a clip, a couple clips of him uh, playing some hoops. And man, he, when he's on the court, he's 100% every single time. And he's going for the ball. He's attacking the hoop. And uh, yes, out very exciting player t- to watch at the high school level. I can't wait to watch him grow uh, as an Eagle. Uh, I'm sure I, I didn't get a chance to watch much of the other guys just due to not being able to find film. But uh, yeah, I'm excited to, to watch those guys play. So, uh, Bob, so what are you doing in the offseason, Bobby, as a coach to improve yourself? Uh, right now, like I said, they have all the Zoom clinics. So just kind of staying up on that and getting different ideas. And then for me personally, just probably – working more and more on my leadership. And I feel like I'm the young guy. I'm the youngest one on staff. So I'm like, I, my role kind of this year and my first two, really my first three years is I kind of have to, had to be the good guy. You know, I had to, I feel like I had to be like the mom. If somebody got yelled at, they would come to me and I'd have to sue them. (laughs) So that's, I want to grow more off that where I can be a little more stern and I can, you know, light up a few more guys and just, I mean, it comes with time. Like I, I don't expect, you know, I've, when I first got here, I was three years older than the seniors. So it was really different for me. And now obviously as, as I get older, I have to grow into that role. And, you know, that's what I like to just be a little more stern, be a little more of a, I guess would, you know, excuse me, but be more of a hard ass on the court and not be the team mom this year. <laughs> got it yeah. i mean hey i mean everybody's gonna have to be performing from the players to the coaching staff i mean everybody's gonna be you know gunning for the the big sky champs i mean just looking at some stats and some numbers and some honors this past season i mean it was an absolutely incredible season even though that was cut short i mean this team went 23 and 8 they were on a seven game winning streak they were 13 and 2 at home they're number six in scoring offense in the country 26th in the nation of three-pointers. We had three all-conference team selections. The Big Sky MVP, Mason Peatling. Coach of the year, Coach Legs. Coach Legs was also selected to ESPN's top 40 under 40 basketball coaches. He was number 11. Coach Book uh, was named uh, one of the 50 most impactful low major uh, coaches in D1 basketball. And you were named to the 30 under 30 team by the NABC. I mean, that's uh, a pretty impressive year from the players to the coaching staff. And honestly, just looking at the season, man, it was a roller coaster just due to how close a lot of these games was. Uh, if you had to look back in the season and if you had to pick one game is the performance of the year of the team, what would you pick? Oof, I guess. I mean, I was, I know you sent me this question before and I was like, I don't know. And I, I went back and forth between two games and it was Southern Utah at home. And then 
Northern Colorado on the road. And I think I'm going to go with the Northern Colorado game because that was a big game for us. We were, we were both tied. I forgot we were both in the league, but we were both tied. And Montana was one game above both of us. And we just felt with four games left in the season that that was the championship game. Like that was the game that was whoever won that game would be the champion, be the big sky champion. And, you know, we didn't really say that to the guys, but as the coaching staff, we just felt, you know, Montana was on a a run. They were playing great basketball. We just thought, you know, they're probably going to maybe trick one off. That's just what we felt in our heart. And we just felt like this Northern Colorado game was going to be the deciding factor for the championship. And Ellis came out and he had a huge game there. Um, Kim locked down Radaball. We basically made it Kim and Mason play two on two with Radaball and Kai Edwards. And we took all their shooters out of it. And he had double, uh, double digit rebounds and just shut down Radaball. And then Jacob obviously scored. Mason had his double double. But the biggest thing was Ellis had a great game there. He was shooting lights out. He was super aggressive. And I just think that, and that was a big game for us. Yeah. I mean, I had so, I mean, I had the same two teams that you're talking about just on a different date. It was January 25th when you guys played Southern Utah. And then two days later uh, on that Monday, you guys played University of Northern Colorado. I mean, these were two back-to-back really tough games. And both the games uh, went into overtime. Uh, The Mm -hmm. game against Southern Utah, I mean, Mason Peeling just had an absolute huge night. He had 30 points, 11 rebounds. He hit a huge three to send the game into overtime. And then two days later, you guys had to play another tough team, uh, Northern Colorado, which you guys got an awesome performance from the big three, uh, Jacob Davison, Kim Macon Jr., and Mason Peeling, who combined for 64 points. And Mason Peeling played another game just absolutely out of his mind. This is the reason why he was a big sky MVP. He had 21 points, 22 rebounds. And to me, just to play two back-to-back games so close together, uh, with two very talented teams. I mean, looking at Southern Utah's roster, I mean, they have John Knight III, uh, Cameron Oliuton, who's two studs. Uh, I mean, absolutely talking about, uh, you're talking about Northern Colorado's squad as well. Uh, Jonah Radabaugh, who's an absolute threat that you have to deal with, and he's a very active guard. And to me, those two games just back-to-back were absolutely uh, outstanding performances by the Eastern Washington squad. Yeah, those are – I think I got gray hairs from those two games at home. <laughs> because I think the Southern Utah game, we were down like six with 50 seconds to go. Which yeah. was crazy to come back from that. And then versus Northern Colorado, they hit that shot that didn't count. And, they, you know, their team rushed the court. Their their athletic trainer was in, doing in the middle of their dog pile. And then obviously the shot didn't count. So that was fun to beat them after that. But yeah, those those two games, you're right. I mean, there were so many, like you said. I, I feel like we had 25 games like that all year, the whole year. Yeah, the games against Sacramento State. I mean, that's a pretty stout defense. And I always so when I go to the games, I always sit behind uh, uh, the opponent's bench because I just like see I, I just like seeing the other teams how they run things and uh, just like seeing their frustration <laughs> at the end of the game. And uh, yeah, uh, those two games, I I, I uh, greatly enjoyed it. So. <laughs> Yeah, we're going to have to get you on staff to call out some play calls for us. I got you guys. I got you guys. Uh, But with that being said, I mean, going into uh, this next season, we we lost two seniors, Tyler Kidd and Mason Peeling. Uh, 
two absolutely, I mean, guys that will be missed, no doubt about it. But this squad is just looking to be, you know, stocked again, you know, reloaded for another season. And I, I was texting you earlier, just talking about some of the names. Again, there, there's so many names to talk about, but just to me, the biggest threat that teams are going to have to deal with uh, this upcoming season is the guard play. Uh, just a, you, your guys' ability just to move guards and switch them in and out, like Hassan Rouse, Ellis Magnuson, Jacob Davison, Kim Macon Jr., those four individuals, I mean, you could put them in basically the one, you could run Kim Macon Jr. at any position on the court, no problem. And just the ability to have Kassan Rouse and Ellis Magnuson pushing the pace throughout the entire game, that's going to be very difficult for any team in the Big Sky to deal with. And Michael Meadows, and I mean, could you get kind of give us a breakdown of this next year's squad and some of the problems that we're going to be given teams? Yeah, I mean, and you didn't even mention, you know, Jack, who's going to be a four-year starter for us. Yep. And then we're going to have a kid come off the bench who's going to be a, you know, a redshirt freshman named Steel Venters, but uh, you just want me to go through the roster and kind of just tell you about each guy, or what do you, what do you want me to do here? Yeah, you can just tell, just give me the the, the cliff notes and some uh, some. Yeah, I mean, just go through the roster. That's totally fine. Yeah, so I'll just go from number down. So we got <laughs> uh, Austin Fidal. He's going to be a sophomore. He was kind of injured last year. He had a good freshman year for us. He's you know a six four guard, really crafty with the ball, and he's great on defense. So he'll be coming back looking to get his feet wet again. And then we got Steele, who I said, Steele, he's a six, seven. He's like a six, seven. Jacob is what the best way to put him. That's just how he plays. He's a scorer, but maybe a, maybe a little better passer than Jacob. But again, he's going to be a redshirt freshman. So he's going to have some trial and error, but I think he's a guy to look out for once big sky plays. And then for his whole Eastern career, he could be a very special. And then we got Kassan. He's going to go into his sophomore year who's you know he's just lightning in a bottle he's quick he wants to play fast he's very intelligent he's a very good scorer and he's really pesty on defense and then we go to Jacob I mean he's just Jacob's an elite scorer he's an elite scorer he's a really good defender when he wants to be but you know we're gonna ask him to score for us this year and that's yeah. his, you know that's his job he's, he's an unbelievable scorer to me, he he him and Kim Aiken Jr. are the front runners for the Big Sky MVP, and uh, I cannot wait to watch their performances upcoming season. I, I do got to ask. I mean, if if you go to Eastern Washington games for the people listening, if you, I always recommend go to the games a little bit earlier, watch warm ups because they're they're very enjoyable. The guys are having fun. Uh, individuals like Jacob Davison, he he likes to show off what he can do. How does he compare with some of the dunkers uh, back at Dunk City? Uh, Jacobs, you know, he's really athletic. He's special. He would have been really great at Dunk City during those times. But yeah, he's one of the, even at Florida State, he's one of the most talented dunkers I've seen. I mean, he can go 360 between the legs. He just has ridiculous hang time. He can jump off two. He can jump off his left. He can jump off his right. He's just an unbelievably freak athlete. And yeah, if you guys do get there early, he does. He actually, that's what he lives for. He puts on a show in those free game warmups. Yeah, it, it's, uh, I don't know. Like, I feel like I could get up, but after watching him, man, it's just, it's just, he, he puts some people to shame. And he, I'll tell you what, if, if I was a defender and I saw him go on a fast break, I, I'd be down the way. I'm not going to be ending up on a poster. Absolutely not. Or a highlight. No, thank yeah. you. Yeah. He's a freak. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's a special kid. And then, you know, we got Jack Perry, who's an unbelievable shooter, high, high IQ. He's, a, he's our coach on the court. He's probably smarter than me, to be honest, with everything. 
He knows everything in and out. He knows everyone's position. His dad, you know, is Australia's under 18 national coach. So he's just got a high pedigree for basketball. Then we go to his Australian teammate, Tyler Robertson, another high IQ kid, can really shoot it, plays really hard. He's going to have, have a big sophomore year for us. And then, like you said, we got Kim Aiken, who Kim just he's a kid that gets better every year. Since he came in as a freshman and redshirted, he just got better every year. And he's a, like you said, he's he can guard one through five, unbelievable three point shooter. He still needs to work on his perimeter skills a little bit, but I mean, with how hard he works, we expect him to be able to come off ball screens and make plays when all said and done. Uh, then you got Michael Meadows, who's a great player. He's a great shooter. He didn't shoot it that well. He, he didn't shoot as much as we wanted him to, but we look for, forward to him to showing he is a scorer and he's just a great defender. Then you got Jacob Groves, who's got another, he's another kid from Shadow Park, Spokane, who's got high ceiling. He's another one that's a really good shooter that didn't shoot it well this year, but I don't think people know he how long and big he is. I mean, he's a legit, probably six seven, six eight. He has some of the biggest hands I've ever seen. His hands are massive. Like the stuff he does with the ball and how he can pick it up off the dribble, it's crazy. And he, you know, he's just a tireless worker. So really excited to see what he does as a sophomore. Then you got his brother Tanner, who I, I don't think people give him enough credit, but I mean it was tough. He was playing behind Mason. You know, Mason was a Big Sky MVP this year. Mason was, uh, I, I forgot, all-league player last year. So it's been kind of tough for Tanner to get all the minutes that he wants. But there are games where, you know, Mason got in foul trouble or Mason was hurt where Tanner got double-doubles. Like oh, absolutely, nothing. yeah. So I don't yeah, – I mean, yeah, I think people – Tanner played some Tanner. huge – yeah, Tanner played some huge mo- uh, minutes last season. And uh, Coach Legs, we when we had him on last week, he brought up a great point. And people don't often think of this as – Tanner Groves had to be behind Mason Peely, the base guy MVP, but he got the opportunity to play him uh, every day in practice, and that will only improve uh, him as, as, a, as a player. Yeah, and if you ask Mason, I mean, Tanner used to give him buckets. Like, Tanner's really an unbelievable scorer. And I think with his, you know, more minutes, more opportunity, I think people will see what Mason got to see every day in practice. And just like Mason, Mason had to stay behind Jake Wiley that one year. So, I mean, right. it's just – getting older, getting better, getting stronger, getting smarter. And then we got Abdul, who's going to be a sophomore, and he's going to be backing up Tanner. And he's extremely high IQ, high energy, always talking, very skilled. And we're looking forward to him to getting more minutes this year. And then we got Ellis coming back, who, you know, started every game as a true freshman. Didn't shoot it as well as he wanted to. Hopefully he shoots it a lot better. But another one of those tireless workers, a kid really probably one of the hardest workers on the team. He's just he stays in the gym all the time. He'll go into the gym 6 a.m., he'll go at 4 p.m., and then he'll go back there at 12 a.m. in the morning just to get shots up. He he is the definition of a gym rat. Yeah, uh, he, he's he's pretty he's pretty stout for sure. Yeah, uh, yeah I mean, I, yeah, I'm excited about this roster. I'm excited to see what they're going to be able to do uh, next season. Zero down my mind that they're going to be given a lot of teams problems uh, next season. So you posted on Twitter uh, a picture of your first drop during a game. Do you remember what game that was? And do you remember what you drew up? Oh, yeah, I'll never forget it. It was we were at high point. <laughs> And uh, it's pretty cool that, you know, Shante lets me do that. Not not many guys under 30 are getting to draw up plays during games and plays before games and getting the board during a huddle. And, he, you know, he's a great leader and he lets us grow. So 
Yeah, um, we actually, it was a play for either, it was a ball screen that turned into a back screen for Jacob. So the first option was a lob for Jacob. And the second option was Kim, who set the back screen, was going to get a down screen from Mason. And, you know, of all people to mess it up, Mason did. <laughs> and we didn't get the look I wanted. So, I'll, I, yeah, I will, I'll never forget that, though. So that was cool. I'll never forget the, the Big Sky MVP messed up my bucket. <laughs> Is that so? I gotta ask: Is that play? Uh, is that some, from some of your roots uh, back at Dunk City? Oh no, I it's probably I probably saw it in the NBA. I watch a lot of NBA basketball, so I probably saw someone do that in the league, and just thought we could do it. So we didn't. We didn't. Uh, no, it wasn't from Dunk City. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Well, I only got a couple more questions for you, and you're talking about. Uh, you guys playing tennis, do you guys get any good basketball scrimmages going between you and the coaches? I mean, uh, we would always play like we would play king of the court with legs, Dave, me, TJ. And it's usually, I'm like, legs are Dave win. And it's usually Dave. Dave's like six, five and he just big boys, all of us. Now legs will, <laughs> legs will win a lot too, but what we were playing a lot last year, we were playing almost every day. And then legs tore his Achilles last year. So we kind of stopped playing as much as we did. <laughs> oh, man. Right on. <laughs> well, hey, Bobby, I, I appreciate you coming uh, on the podcast. That's that's really all I got for you. Again, uh, we greatly appreciate your time. I think it's great for the coaches coming on the podcast. I think it helps promote the basketball program. I think it helps promote Eastern Washington Athletics. So it do you, if you'd like, I mean, this is your opportunity to kind of uh, plug your social media for people to contact you. If you don't want anybody contacting you, you don't got to say anything at all. Uh, I guess my Twitter is uh, BigShotBob90. Um, my email is rsuarez2 at ewu.edu. And you, anyone can hit me up on Twitter. You can slide in my DMs. You can email me. And <laughs> we always are cool with just anyone coming by the office and hanging out. If anyone wants to challenge us in tennis, we're all about it. Um, and then if anyone needs tickets or wants to come watch a practice or any of that, just email me and, you know, we're 100% all about that. Well, that's outstanding. Well, hey, thanks again, Bobby. Hey, uh, everybody listening, uh, you can find us on any podcast platform, uh, Spotify, iTunes, uh, any podcast platform platform you just search eagles power hour you can find us on twitter at eagles power Hour. you can find myself uh on twitter at mid fourth rounder you can find us on facebook at eagles power hour make sure to give us uh, a like and subscribe to us when you go into to itunes or whatnot and thanks for listening go eagles go eagles